people think, oh, you know, like when's the right time to buy a house? Well, look at your life plan. Does your life plan support being in a home for three to five years and not paying rent to someone else? Then it's a great time to buy a house. We have a North Star and the North Star is to put those military first time home buyers into the market in the best way possible come hell or high water. You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? Hi, this is Jay, and welcome to today's episode of Expertish Podcast. Today, we have my friend, Matt Honeycutt. Actually, someone I respect a lot here in the real estate area. Let's just start out. I'll tell them a little bit more about our partnerships and like what we collaborate on and stuff later. But like, first, thanks for being here. Oh, yeah. You're welcome, buddy. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Right? <laughs> Excuse for us to BS a little bit and uh, take some time off from work in a way. I've only rescheduled with you five times. I mean, uh, that's, all, I mean, that's part, of our, <laughs> part of our business, right? Yeah. So we'll talk about all that today. Well, Matt also is prior Navy. Just tell us a little bit of your background, man, and then how you went from that world to uh, real estate world. We'll start with North Carolina. That's a good jump off point. I was uh, born and raised in a little town called Concord, North Carolina, just outside of Charlotte. It's kind of a decaying town in a lot of ways. So there weren't a whole lot of economic opportunities back then. And I got into a lot of, you know, just stupid small town teenager stuff and wasn't the picture just wasn't looking good. So like a lot of folks, you know, Jay, you've led over the many years, joined the Navy to kind of make a better life for myself and get out of that town. So first duty station was San Diego, landed here, was super fortunate and uh, did 10 and a half years here in San Diego, active duty, working on the uh, airplanes. So during that period of time, man, a lot of things happened. I got here in 2004 and the real estate market at that time, I, I mean, I was way too junior, too young. I didn't make enough money. I wasn't in living in town or anything from, you know, right in 2004. But I watched the real estate market go up, up, up and away and then boop, bubble bust around 2008, 2009. But that five-year period was where I was kind of growing up in the military and I was, you know, growing a family of my own and I was, uh, I was kind of bouncing from apartment to apartment. And I ended up getting into a situation where the home prices collapsed, basically, and I was at a decent pay grade and I was able to jump in and buy a house at that time. And then uh, that really was a catalyst for me for a lot of things, because not only was, you know, like, was I happy that I was able to be able to, to get a house? But a few years after that, after I got that first property, homes were still being short sold and foreclosed like crazy. So it was this three year window that, you know, I'm in a home, I'm happy and opportunities are still coming up all the time. So I was able to buy a second house and then I moved from the first house into the second house and I rented the first one out. And at that point, real estate bug full effect, I was hooked. And then for the remainder of my career, I was kind of juggling back and forth between what could this world be like if Matt was really a, a real estate investor versus what's this world that it could be like if Matt were to continue and, you know, toward a military retirement. So I got to that 10 year mark and the board shuffled around a couple of times and it just made more sense for me to pursue my passion. So it took a lot of courage to get out and leave all that military lifestyle behind. I mean, it was really hard. 10 years is it gets in your DNA, but 
what was really awesome, Jay, and you know this too from where you're at now, is I actually didn't leave anything behind. I mean, I put the uniform away, but I still have everything about the Navy that I always loved, which is all the people. And I still get to do what I love to do with real estate now while still being deeply involved with all my active duty and veteran folks here in San Diego. So all that being said, I left the military and got really headlong into real estate. And I can tell you a lot more about that story as we go here. But I'm here today with you, half veteran, half real estate investor, and then sprinkled with some other <laughs> crazy <laughs> stuff on top. <laughs> That's that's a that's an awesome uh, kind of an awesome journey as well. Like when you when you said the part about you got your second property and then the other one became investment and then you were hooked. And I think yeah. I've mentioned in a couple of my uh, other episodes because I started by accident. You know, bought the first house out of like thought I was supposed to when I was like twenty two, twenty three. And when we transferred, you know, I was married at the time and transferred and got that first rent check. That's kind of when it hit me. And I wasn't, I didn't do it because I was smart at all. I was just <laughs> accidentally, you know, like I'm supposed to do it. And then you get the first rent check and I'm like, Oh, well, this Boy. is cool. Especially when you're still junior, right? In the military, because you're like, uh-huh. dude, a couple hundred bucks makes a big difference yeah. at that point in your life. So yeah, no, I totally get that. It, it's like the light bulb comes on and then you're like, okay, this is, I just got to get as much as I can. Yeah. Can I do this a couple of more times? Right. And yeah. for me, it's something I think too, to point out, I was like, I didn't know you in the Navy, but we have a lot of people in common that we knew. Yep. And that's kind of what connected us after that in the real estate world is when I reached out to you, like uh, at one point, I think we probably like messaged, you know, we'd messaged before or something. And, uh, yeah. but I reached out just to like collaborate and get, get some of your expertise because you were doing the residential side, you know, already when I, you know, was getting out similarly, I initially was just going to do investments. And then it's like, I saw a need that we both work towards is, you know, fixing some of the problems with military and veterans, like getting, people understand that really know their benefits and what's going on so that they can maximize what's going on. And I think that's what, uh, it, it showed and, and credit to you. And I hate to do that because normally we just talk trash to each other, but <laughs> I guess I'll take a half a I step get some back. Good talk. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's a, is this credit, Jay complimenting somebody? On this the is like, it won't happen again. And, and actually I'm going to ask them to edit this out after we're done, but <laughs> got to keep the reputation. <laughs> got to keep you down, man. But just the fact that it was clear that you actually cared and, and would, we're doing things for the right reason, which in our, unfortunately in this industry is not the majority of the case. There's some great people out there. It really are, but it's not the norm, unfortunately. And so that did shine through. And so I was like, Oh dude, man, I got to like link up with this dude and see, you know, what's going on. And I appreciate that because that's definitely over the last like really year, really blossomed in a lot of collaboration. You know, we work together on a lot of things, share share progress and processes and, and stuff like that. And I think that as we talked about on our earlier call that we were just collaborating on business stuff with, you know, it really adds to that synergy so that what either of us could accomplish alone, we can accomplish 10 times kind of together. You know what I mean? hundred percent. So that's it or your compliment. That's all you get for today. Uh, <laughs> In short, Matt's not that bad. Yeah, he's not that bad. Not as bad as you would think. He's a uh, real estate salesperson that actually cares about people. Okay, so that kind of leads to, and we know you got the bug for real estate through investing, right? Yep. Once you got into the sales portion, how did you come to that point of, oh crap, here is a need because you, you're very intentional mm-hmm. with that. And I really, 
everyone can see that you're very intentional of always refining that process to be able to provide and fill those gaps. What first clued in that need for like, you know, the veteran and, and military niche? Oh yeah. Super simple. So when I first got out, right. When I hit that, you know, that last year on terminal, looking at options and things like that, I actually wanted to buy a third house before I got out. And just like everybody else at 10 years in the Navy, (laughs) I actually had a pretty crappy plan. Um, I wanted to buy a third house before I got out because I knew that I wasn't going to have that consistent paycheck anymore. And I wanted to be able to, you know, get the hat trick before I decided to go headlong in investing where I knew being an investor was something that was going to be a lot of sweat for a little bit of pay, if any, for a long time. Yeah. And I knew that, you know, I was going to have to start all over again. What we call the, what we call now, you and, you know, Jay, you and I, when we're consulting with our clients who are about to get out of the military, that penalty box, when you leave the current job that you're in and you move into a new field, you have that one to two years where you have to show your job performance so you can get a loan for your new house. And if you're going into self-employed, you're, yeah, that's a, that's a you're really in the penalty box. You're really screwed. Yeah. So I, I knew just enough at that point. I was like, I know I'm going to get into the penalty box here. So I got to get a house first. So I called up my old agent, Lori, and uh, I was like, Hey, Lori, I'm looking to buy a third place. And she was like, Hey, Matt, I'd love to help you out. But I've just kind of transitioned into mortgages. I'm, I'm, I'm a loan officer now. I'm no longer in real estate. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, that's a bummer. I was like, well, can you recommend me to somebody who's, who's great? She goes, yeah, I'm going to connect you to this guy named Dennis Bragg. He's really nice. Uh, you'll like him. And I was like, ah, I don't know, Lori, like you're, you're my, you're my girl. Like yeah, you, yeah. you take care of me. And she goes, yeah, yeah, I know Matt, but he, he's a really good guy. He's a Navy guy, just like you. You have a lot in common. I think you're really going to like him. Just, you know, have a meeting with him and see if it works. I was like, all right, I'll go meet this guy. So we meet up at a Starbucks and uh, we jump into a conversation. I'm telling him about what I'm looking for. You know, how, you know, how I knew Lori and bought a couple of properties. And, you know, we just, just like you and I, Jay, we just hit it off and just started really just, you know, I don't want to say shooting the shit. All right. We're shooting shit, right. (laughs) Talking about about properties um, and all the stuff that he'd done in the past, homes that he's flipped and built and deals that he's got, and, you know, and all the rental properties he owns and stuff. And I was like, really enamored. I was like, wow, this guy's really done a lot of things in real estate. It's exciting to me. And then we kind of cracked into the financial picture and all that stuff. Like, you know, like we do with clients, you have to qualify everybody that's sitting in front of you and say, or, or, you know, uncover, is this person able to buy a home or not? With me not having enough time left on contract and then having used a portion of my, a, a pretty significant portion of my entitlement and stuff like that already. Long story short, I wasn't a good candidate to buy a house, right? So at the end of that conversation, he was, you know, he's keeping notes on a yellow notepad. And at the end of the conversation, he just, you know, he slides his notepad to the side. He's like, well, Matt, the bad news is I can't sell you a house. But the good news is if you're really serious about getting out of the military, I can offer you a job. I was like, really? He said, yeah, you can come work with me. You know, you're not going to get paid all that much in the beginning, but you're going to learn a lot and it's going to pay dividends in the future. But if you're really serious about this, then I'll show you the ropes. And I was like, okay. And he's like, no, I encourage you to stay in the military. <laughs> he's like, trust me, it's not all, it's not all roses out here. And I was like, you know, I was young and energetic. I'm like, no, nah, I've made up my mind. 
getting out. I'm going to go do it. He's like, okay. <laughs> you can tell he had that, like, I'm going to say I told you so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fast forward, it was like two years before I got my first check and mm-hmm. it was a lot of work. And I was dabbling in some other entrepreneurial things as well. So it had 80% of my, you know, invested interest you know, being a bird dog and and going out and putting these deals together and stuff like that. I was also, you know, just experimenting with a lot of different things um, at that time, just trying to get my feet underneath me. I just left the military. It was a whole new world. Um, But I went to work with him and I learned so much, Jay. Uh, Like, and I tell all my clients this too, when we first meet is, you know, from like some of my initial like job requirements, I would get on Google Maps and I would look over the whole you know county of San Diego and I would look for vacant parcels of land in the inner city areas that weren't developed. And I would like try to determine, all right, is this like a buildable piece of property? And I'd get on public records and I'd go dig those people up and I'd find them like out in Wisconsin or Michigan or Arkansas or wherever, you know, that they live. And I would like trying to track them down and ask them like if I could buy their property to build it and things like that. And I learned, you know, uh, how to entitle property, you know, what it takes to put the plans and permits together and what they cost and then zoning and land use and all these different things. Um, all the way through how much it actually costs to build a house, the process of building one, you know, getting your plans from your draftsmen and putting your contractors and like getting good contractor pricing for building, like everything you can imagine, like all the way through the finished product of getting a home ready to sell. And it was around that, you know, two or three year mark that, you know, uh, Dennis had encouraged me to get my license because Matt, you know, we've done a lot of good work here. Um, have you thought about getting your license, you know, so that we can actually, you can make a commission listing some of these units. I was like, ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, Jay, you and I both, I think we share the same yeah. like, feeling about it as we look out over the industry. It's not like real estate sales people have the best reputation. 100%. Yeah. And now being fair, I've been in the industry long enough now that I see how some really bad clients Yes. Create some really bad agents, right? So it's on both sides, right? It's a people thing. Um, But I didn't have the highest opinion of agents at the time. So when he said that, I kind of cringed a little bit. Like, I'm not a salesperson, Dennis. He goes, yeah, I know. But think of it like a qual, right? Like in the military. I was like, okay. Now, that's a good way to put it. Because we know quals get you ranked up and rank money. And I was like, okay, all right. I see what you're doing there. (laughs) So I got my real estate license and I was like, all right, well, now that I have a license, I need to like, I don't know, go do this, the thing. So I started like just reaching out to people in my network, you know, go to Facebook. Hey, everybody, you know, I'm doing this real estate thing. So if you need any help and guidance, I've learned a lot about how all this stuff works. I'm happy to help you out. And I just kind of left it there. And I had a really good positive response from the beginning. And that's what's so great about our community, Jay, is that when you spend 10 years, you know, building relationships with people and we come from that, that fraternity or sorority, however you want to look at it, of of military people, there's a lot of trust that goes along with that. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but I had built up a really sizable amount of, 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 you know, credit with people, right, you know? Right. Um, so when I started talking about real estate, they were like, yep, 
okay, I trust you. Like, cause I know who you are. I know your character. I know, I knew your character when you were working on aircraft and I know that that's not going to be any different right now. Right. And I, I had a reputation of being a pain in the ass with aircraft because <laughs> quality control was, it was non-negotiable. Right. right. And mm-hmm. I carry that in my real estate business as well. And I wanted everything that I did in the military, military to be as airtight as possible because you know you know this jay you were up there in those planes there's there's when a when a car breaks down it rolls to a stop in most cases but when an aircraft breaks down it's a whole different story it's a quick stop it's a very quick stop <laughs> and usually one in a lot of cases you don't walk, walk away from so i treat my real estate business with that same level of of uh no not strictness but rigidity in a lot of ways. I want everything to work out extremely well. So I had a really good response right away from from my network and I started doing business with people. And I realized within that first six months, it was really clear to me when I started saying, hey, you know, this is how this works. These are how the contracts work. And I would get the deer in the headlights looks so like, huh? I was like, wow, you don't know any of this stuff. How about your VA entitlement? They're like, what's that? I'm like, it's the way that you, oh my God. I realized like our level of understanding of how to buy homes as a military community is ground zero. Yeah. And it just kind of blew my mind. So it was probably within the first nine months. So six months of really just letting it soak in. And then the remaining three months of saying, okay, I need to do something about this and really turning into it. And it was around that nine month mark. I went back to Dennis and I was like, Dennis, this has been you know, really great learning, building all these homes and things like that. But I feel like there's something here that's really calling to me. There's there's a need here that I need to service. And I think that I'm uniquely qualified for this. And I can't really put my finger on it, but there's something that's pulling me in this direction in a big way. And I wasn't even sure then either, because I'm like, I'm going to be a salesperson now. I'm not going to like do the investing thing that I've you know, set out to do like, you know, my crazy is just kind of weird, but mm-hmm. I went headlong into that. And then becoming a first time military home buyer expert, tour guide, concierge, that's ultimately what I landed on. And that's what I'm doing today. And I think now that is what I was tailor made to do. Right. Well, the, the education piece that you focus on so much, which I 100% agree with you. And I think that's, it's, amazing that you you know you came to that like so quickly recognizing how important that is because uh shoot my first one like i said i didn't know what i was doing i didn't use a va loan i didn't know i had a va (laughs) so i mean yeah so you know i didn't exactly do the best deal on that one you know Uh, (laughs) you know at 23 didn't know and then like the second someone's like oh i'm sure you already used your va loan i was like oh my what you know but um the fact that you got to that education point, but I think that that has way more impact. The education part has more impact and the business will come versus selling on the short-sighted aspect of that. Cool, you may do more business up front, but no one really benefits long-term from being a salesperson in this industry because it's too big of a purchase. It's too big of a thing. And, and when you talk about making sure it was the same care and diligence into this process as there was in an aircraft that someone might die from, people like, you know, they're investing a lot into this and to some people that's as important, you know, I mean, this is their life um, that they're getting to or their family's life or making it different. And I do think that that's important too. And not everyone treats, treats the business that way either, you know, to realize that some people, 
especially the first time they're, they're insecure. They don't know what's going on. And it's a huge, huge step. And you're in San Diego and you're like barrier to entry is pretty high. And you know, people are like, Oh wait, I've got to spend a half million dollars to get into a condo. And three years ago I lived in, you know, wherever in the Midwest before I came in the military and you know, it's not the same. Um, so it is scary for people, but taking the time to really educate them about not just that buying process, but how real estate works in general, like what they appreciate, what all those things are such a big piece. And I, I don't know, I just appreciate your, your take on that as well with the, Hey, educate people, the rest will come. Exactly. And it's not always the right. It's not always the right time, right? It's not always the right time for someone to buy. And it's not always, I mean, if you can buy, I think it's almost never the right time. If it fits, you know, your, your finances and, you know, depending on what your goal is with it, but sometimes you're not in that place. Exactly. People think, oh, you know, like when's the right time to buy a house? Mm -hmm. Well, look at your life plan. Yeah. Does your life plan support being in a home for three to five years and not paying rent to someone else? Mm -hmm. Then it's a great time to buy a house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that's as simple as it is. They keep thinking, they kind of have this mindset, right? That there's a pie chart. And in that pie chart, there's a very thin sliver that's, you know, my priorities. And then the rest of that pie is timing the market. When in reality, it's completely backwards. That small sliver is timing the market. The other 90, 95% of that pie is, does it make sense for you? Right. If you look at homes, and this is this is what kills me, people think of homes and they think of buying them and they think of values going up and down. And their mindset, Jay, and you know this, is okay, you know, they're thinking of stocks. Like right now, you know, stocks are going crazy all over the place. People are like, I gotta buy it, I gotta buy it low and sell it high. But like you're not selling it, at least not in the short term. This is a right, 30 right. year commitment statistically proven eight years on average, but it's a 30 year loan. It's like those little vicissitudes that we're talking about, those buy it low, sell it highs that happen year to year, they're very small bumps along a very long road. And that long road is going very vertical in overall trend. So I'm like, don't worry about, oh, did you get it $10,000 more or less than you should have? Worry about, did I rather buy the right house for my family? Do I like this neighborhood? Is it in a budget that I can afford not be house broke? Yeah. Any more than, you know, San Diego yeah. would allow yeah. for <clears throat> as we, as you would rent broke, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or am I buying it, a, you know, like for active duty military, especially like, am I buying at the beginning of my three or four year commitment versus at the end? Right. Well, right. you're rolling the dice if you're up for orders in nine months and you want to buy a house right now. Right. Jay, you and I both would be like, hold, hold up. We're yeah. not going to do that. Yeah. As much as I would love to help you buy and sell that house, you're going to be upside down on that if you do mm-hmm. that. So no, it's that's not a good time. But that's not a market issue. That's right. a you issue. That's a timing issue. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And that's, well, how many times have you, I'm, I'm sure a lot because it's been the same with mine. When you're at that point, it's like, cool, let's just see what you're, or, you know, once you if you get orders and you're staying like, let's just wait for that. And I'm it's a ton of people with that. They're like looking like, Hey, I want to, I'm interested. Let's you can educate and then, all right, cool. Oh, cool. I just got my orders. I'm definitely staying in San Diego. All right, cool. Let's go shop. But yeah. like you said, you know, it's even if it, if they had the cash to put down, whatever, and it'll still be a, a, a rental property. There gets to be, there's also the thing about like, depending again, situation for each person, if there's three kids and a family, they're all going to have to move in a little bit too, even if it would be a good rental property, unless 
their experience that or know or are aware of the burdens that come with trying to turn that into rental property, move, transfer schools, all that stuff at, at the same time. It just may not, even then it may not be the best thing because there is your, your time equity, especially with people with families yeah. invested in doing that may not be worth the squeeze as well. Exactly. It's the whole picture of everything. You got to look at it holistically, right? Like, okay, well, you could do this and you could own a home and you could make some gains this way, but the risk would be that, you know, you'd be putting a lot more time and energy into it. And maybe that doesn't fit your specific lifestyle. Right. Maybe right. you've got a couple of two to five, two to six year old kids right. and it's better just to rent and not worry about anything and spend all your time enjoying your babies. Maybe. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, then sweating if you can actually hang the mortgage. You're a single person and you've got a little bit more BAH than what you need. And you don't really have too many other obligations and responsibilities. You can easily pare your living down to eating a little ramen a few nights a week, you know, then all right, that's a, that's a picture that makes a lot of sense. And it's so important, Jay, to have these conversations, this open dialogue with people at the beginning, at the outset, especially like, and you get this all the time too. You have people that call you up and they're like, Hey, I want to go see this place. This place is super awesome. Cool. Let's go back to the starting point real quick. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about where you're headed in life. Let's see if this house that you want is actually going to serve your life right now. Yeah. And if it does, man, I'll be the first one to open the door for you. But if it doesn't, I'll be the bad guy. And I'll tell you, this is not a good idea for not you. not going to work. Yeah. not going to do it. And I, do I regret that ever, Jay? Not once. I've got a guy right now, and awesome, veteran, bought a condo probably six or eight years ago. Is doing really good in Mission Valley. And, you know, I got the contact. He wanted to sell that one and go buy a bigger home. I was like, cool, we can do that. Why not rent it out? He goes, oh, well, you know, I don't think I can do that. But I'm like, why can't you do that? And we yeah. jumped into it. He said, well, if, if I do, then I won't be able to use my VA loan in the next house. So I was like, oh, we got a lot to talk about, yeah. sir. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, long story short, I, I blew a listing mm -hmm. and I'm helping them qualify renters right now to get the place rented out. And I'm helping them buy another house, like a full detached house. Yeah. And the great silver lining to that is, one, I got to share how the VA system worked with this guy and he didn't know that. He already bought a house with the VA loan right. and wasn't aware of all the rights and the benefits that comes yeah. along with it. So like, boom, right then and there, like that's, that's me cashing the check in the bank, right? Personally. But then after we went through that process, it empowered him when he figured out how much cash flow he can make off the rental to now open his budget up for a bigger home. Right. So instead of finding a below $500,000 home, which is like in San Diego, it's just a so bloodbath. We moved that needle up to just under six hundred thousand, and they were able to find a really nice turnkey place. Went out, got the offer accepted on it. So they're super stoked on the new house. They feel really empowered in the fact that they get to keep their other house as a rental now, and that's their second four hundred one k. And it's not too far away, so they can manage it as well. And I gave them all the resources to manage it. Right. Well. I think too, something that people forget and uh, someone like yourself understands and, but well, because you're in the business and you, and you pay attention to where things are going for, cause I just, a similar thing had a couple of people that I talked out of like, Hey, wait a bit. If you, even if you wanted to move, if you can't do it yet, keep your places in mission Valley, not because 
it's like, oh, Mission Valley is the, you know, the place to be or not because I don't want the business, but because when you explain to them like, hey, you know, they're redeveloping everything around the stadium. There's going to be a new stadium. There's building, you know, SDSU West. There's all this stuff coming and you're already there. You're already... You're in the epicenter of that. Yeah, you're there. The entry is past. You're, you're there. So if you do go, like you said, keep that because even if you're making just a little bit now, once that's done, like you're ahead of that influx. So when that's done, you just like your value, your rental value, your, you know, appreciation, all that is just going to keep climbing. So I think that's something if people know to ask, depending on, again, back to what you said, depending on their needs, are you buying to live in now and you want appreciation moving forward? You know, what, what exactly need or is just the perfect place for you and your family. And that's all you care about. That's a totally different story. And yeah, totally valid. But if the people, especially like you said, the single military people were like, I just want to do something with my money. First of all, great on you for thinking that. But then if they, they're open to some of those things of like, Hey, cool, whatever you want, but here's some ideas. Like this is being developed in this area. This will absolutely increase values there. This is developing in this area. So, you know, and talking to people about getting ahead of some of those things. And when they, when that light bulb comes on too, kind of like we said, when you get your first rent check, it's like the light bulb comes on. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's, what's so big for me, Jay, is that I, it, we have this in common. I get super excited at the idea of the wealth that you can generate through real estate Uh and it's reliable. It's trustworthy. We have a history, a hundred year plus history of real estate values increasing Mm -hmm. and it's not going to change. And what's great about that, unlike the stock market and any of these other, you know, complicated ways that you can, and I will call it trade because it's not investing ways that you can trade in the stock market with crypto and all these other things. Real estate is very boring and it's very simple. And the concept and the notion is, is very elementary. People need places to live. They will go get jobs. They will beg, borrow, and steal, but they will pay to keep a roof over their head. That is something that any person can understand. That is the whole business of real estate. When you're talking about investing in real estate, yeah, we look at demographics. We see what areas are in growth or contraction, which areas have, have impending changes on the horizon that might alter things. We look at areas that have really great uh, local economies and regional economies and things like that to, to kind of analyze what's going to be good in, into the future. But the overarching theme is the whole thing, the whole tide is rising from the middle of nowhere in Nebraska to where we are now, granted, we're, we're rising at a faster rate than they are in Nebraska, but prices didn't go down there right. Right, in the last 20 years, right? This is a very simple notion. And so a person investing in real estate knows the mechanisms deep inside of it and can understand how that business model works. And if it's not working and you're losing out money, then the reason for that, just like in 2009, is going to be splattered across the headlines, you know, massive, you know, lending fraud, blah, 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 blah. And luckily those only happen once every hundred years. So like where other people would want to like invest in different things with their savings, like cryptos or or stocks, or even their uh, long-term investments, like the 401k and things like that, even if they wanted to invest in those things, it's complicated to get to the nitty gritty of each one of those businesses or those offerings to know what their mechanisms are to be able to bet on that. Like, how do you bet on 
a cryptocurrency? What does it do? What's its utility to the world? We're operating it because it's valuable, because we say it's valuable, because we hope it's valuable, and we hope that other people hope that it's valuable, right? Having somewhere to put your crib for your child, that's a very easy thing to understand. So like when we talk about coming from a real estate investment standpoint, it's not you don't need a business degree is the point that I'm making to feel good about investing in real estate. The mechanisms are very obvious. And if you can afford to buy one to live in, the beauty is that you've taken a rent check that you had to pay anyway Mm -hmm. and you converted it into wealth. You converted it into equity in a home on a loan that you're paying back. So all you're really doing is taking an expense and turning it into an asset that you'll hold, which is step one is amazing. And then on top of that, not only are you essentially paying down a debt that you owe, which is taking money from your left pocket to your right pocket, but the thing that you're living inside of, the thing that's protecting your your children, your family, is also growing in its own value while you live in it, right? right? It's a very easy concept to get into, and it starts by just moving up the ladder from renting to owning to buying a second or third or whatever. And I think guys like you and I, Jay, that see the big picture of the investment world and can help people understand that natural evolution of things, well, I think that's why we do so well. And I think that's why we really sleep well at night. It's because we're just shedding light on people, the obvious things that might not be so obvious to them at the time. But when you're close to it, you don't really see it. That's true. And it it really is down to common sense type of uh, tactics or just things to see with it. You, like you said, you're, you're living in your 401k in a sense. You know, <laughs> exactly. You're kind of living inside <laughs> your, your 401k, which is just uh, insane to me. And the, the rent side here now, um, kind of some of the strains from that, like someone, a military you know, family, this, uh, this uh, lady reached out from Texas, but there, she's there now because they're getting ready to transfer. The husband's still in Virginia Beach, but reached out and got referred to me somehow. And she's like, hey, do you guys do like rental, you know, rental management or, or, or you know, help people find around? I'm like, no, we don't really do that. But like, are you, and she said, you know, we're PCS in there, but we're having a hard time getting in touch. And of course I'm like, cool. Like, we'll absolutely help you do everything we can. You know, that's not our normal thing, but if you're PCS and we're not going to leave you, you will do whatever we can to help you out, put you in the connections. I'll reach out the people I know who may have, stuff coming up. Um, let me help get your, you know, stuff because you don't have to apply for credit every time, you know, whatever. Let me help you with the process. It's super cool family or whatever. But uh, what they were running into is like, as everyone knows, like we get buyers now, right. That have to put offers in. It's like, you have to go win the house right now. Right. You can't, there's not like, you can't cut, you're not lowballing. You're, you can't even like come in at offer price. A lot of times Yeah, you're not buying it off the shelf. You're not haggling. It's like yeah. a job interview. Exactly. And now that's happening for rentals. You know, and she's like, we're putting these in and then people are bidding the rental up. And I'm like, because it happened when I rented mine last time, I put it out for whatever. And then people are like, hey, well, uh, uh, all the people that submitted like applications the first day and then people were calling me back, hey, I'll pay 250 more. I'll pay. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is insane. So the same thing that's happening in the, in the 
purchase world is happening for the rental side. So again, there's no guarantee, you know, when people are like, Oh, I'm paying a little bit less renting now. And Hey, maybe that's the place you want to be. Maybe you have a good thing going, but Mm-hmm. Don't think that it's always going to be that price because, no. you know, what are we limited to now? Essentially, like with, with the regulations right now, it's essentially what about 10% total that it can mm-hmm. go up per year. That adds up yeah. quick when you're already paying $3,000 a month. Yeah. And it, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, but that's only if you maintain the current renters, but if yeah. they move out, oh, the landlord can, can reset to wherever. Exactly. So even then it's only a moderate stay of, you know, mm-hmm. of rent cap. Exactly. It really is. But it just shows that it's, it's competitive everywhere here right now. So I would rather be on the uh, receiving side of that, you know, as in being in the driver's seat, really by Mm -hmm. owning the property here. And again, it's not always still the right time or or, are capable at that point in someone's life. And, but if it is, it's way better to be better to be on that side. Right. Oh yeah. And you bring up a good point too there, Jay, because when I first started my journey to buy a house. I actually did all the same dumb stuff that everybody does right now too. But uh, I was at a position where I was living in an apartment complex in Mira Mesa and they were going to raise my rent 200 bucks a month at the renewal of the lease. And it was like crazy to me. I was like, well, it's the same place. So $200 more a month was a huge deal to an E-nothing, right? So I was like, all right, well, we got to find a cheaper place than that. So just like everybody else, to pay less, I had to get less. So it moved out into a crappier place. And that notion of I have to continue to fight just to maintain the same place every year, this is like a slide into bankruptcy, really. Like it's not only is this uncomfortable, but it's going to just ultimately just take away all the money. I'm going to rank up in the military. I'm going to get pay raises and they're all going to go to the landlord. And I'm going to effectively stay at net zero. It's like, this does not work for me. What's the perfect example of that too? Military housing, right? <laughs> like how many people like, you know, you get people because they don't want to move their family and they think it's yep. free. Like coming in as an E5, let's say, to, uh, to a military housing, you know, one of, the, one of the homes there. Shoot, it doesn't matter if they go officer become a lieutenant. It doesn't matter if they're a senior chief. It doesn't matter. None of those pay raises go to them. Nope. You know, the whole thing goes. So yeah, people um, sometimes, I mean, a lot of people understand it and that's cool because if, if it works for you, that that's cool. But it, it really is your renting. It's like, oh, but this is free. No, if you're giving no, up no, all no. your housing allowance and you're getting nothing for it, no appreciation. You're renting. Over the market value, you're, you're renting. Something that blows my mind, Jay, is how a lot of service members compartmentalize their pay from their housing allowance. Yes. I, <laughs> I don't get that. I'm like, it's all your pay. Yes. One part of it's tax-free, the other part's not. But it's still the lump sum that lands in your account every month. It's like it, so many junior people are like, well, I can't spend any more than my BH. I'm like, Why? <laughs> <laughs> who drew that line for you exactly that's the that's the military's accounting process not yours not yours you know I mean? like like some people it, it's like you look at their some you tell them like actually before you go into this what you should be doing is some of that housing allowance that you're uh-huh. thinking is you know whatever you need to just be putting that aside to get in a better position you know yeah. it, it is it's really it's not the housing allowance it's like this is how much you make yes. period it's up to you you have the responsibility then to decide what is the right way for you to divvy that up? But people exactly. do how it's broken down that they don't realize too, that a lot of things with accounting in the military or anywhere Ugh. is really done to 
take money away in a sense. Like, like for instance, getting more money for being married, right. Or having kids, yeah. you know, having dependents, you get more money, right. You're like, Oh, I get more money. Not really. Like, that's just what you should. Most jobs you're, you're going to get, that's what at that level you should be getting to sustain with the family or whatever. What they're really doing is taking away from the guy who doesn't have like, Oh, well, you don't have to support your friend. Well, maybe you want to support your girlfriend. Maybe, <laughs> you know, if you're in the military it's like, well, you're not married. We're going to, you're not going to get as much. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just so funny. If people like really look at it, they find ways, the government finds ways to take the money away from you. Yeah. And, you know, but, and what's that do too with our younger mm-hmm. guys, a lot of times that, is what one of the things that spurs people to get married when they shouldn't just because, Hey, well, girlfriend went from home I've been with for five years wants to come live with me, but I can't afford a place in San Diego. So I need to get married to have it. That's just a recipe for disaster. And the, yeah. honestly, the military is facilitating that disaster. They're rewarding <laughs> yeah. you to get married, you know, like, Hey, the, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. But it's I almost really, like they want us to experience a divorce. That way we can get it under our belts. Like, yeah, right, now you're ready to leave. <laughs> now you're an adult. <laughs> you're an adult. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, yeah, it, it used to be, you know, you weren't ready to retire until you had a DUI. And now it's like, you're not ready to retire until you've had, you know, a divorce. I'm like, yeah. I'd rather take that than the DUI. Yeah. But, but if you have a DUI now, they'll retire you. Like, you know, before <laughs> yeah. you needed it to move on. Now it's like, Oh, do you, you're out. That's yeah. bad light on us. But yeah, man, I, I just, but you, that, that is huge people understanding truly what they make and the same with that allowances in general, mm-hmm. the housing allowance or any other allowance. Yeah. People don't look, understand look at, that look is at a bonus BAS. with not having, not being taxed, you know? Yeah. It's like, you should think of it as a huge credit that a portion of your income, and it's just income, guys. It goes for, for tax account or for for accounting purposes, whether it's BAH or whether it's base pay or BAS or hazard pay or whatever, it's it all pay. falls into one bucket, yep. income, yep. simple. Like the way that you're going to really compartmentalize it is how much of this total income do I owe taxes on? But that's a tax prepared question. That's not a, that's not a personal financial management question. Mm -hmm. And because of that logic, Jay, then you'd say, okay, well, if I don't use the full BAH, I should just give the rest back. Well, that would be stupid. What are you going to do with the rest of, oh, well, well, that's my income now. Ah, ah, so you're saying that you can cross the line if you're not using it at all, but you can't cross the line to use some of your base paper housing doesn't work that way. Right. And by that same logic, you would say, oh, all right, well, you can't spend any more on food than your BAS. Mm-hmm. There you go. Try spending less than what, 200 bucks a month on food. Right. I'll wait. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Especially if you go out to dinner one time. One time. <laughs> done. Oh, you, you got two kids and you're married. Yep. There it's gone. Yeah. One meal. Exactly. See ya. It just doesn't make sense to me. That's something I think, I think Jay, that we need to really make a bigger, broader effort. I mean, from the outside, of course, where we're setting, but also down to those unit, you know, those unit leaders to really change people's mindset about their personal financial management. You, you were a a financial coordinator while you were at your units, right? Um, I had been before, but to be honest, here's where I see some of the problem with that. Like, you know, the training, what they use that for as a collateral duty is, it really comes down to just being able to like when people, they use it for when people need to move out into town. Like, Hey, let's see if you can like what your balance is, stuff like that. It's not really, really financial training. And then the other thing with that, that I I have a problem with how things are done. And again, like a lot of times it comes down to resources, you know, yeah, you may, that may be all that there is to work with there. But for instance, if, if you're, 
taxed with leading this or working this shift and doing these different things. But then also you have four collateral duties, you know, like collateral duties, like they don't look at it as collateral. It is like, that is what you have to do and you have to perform. You have to do it Mm -hmm. to maintain. Well, man, that all of a sudden you're 40, 50, 60 hour week job becomes a 70 hour and some of it is collateral, right? Not your thing. And there's just, it got to the point where I think it was impossible for in some of the commands, like if you had too many, you know, people doing too many of those, it's impossible to do your real job plus five collateral duties to the degree that it can make an impact. That's where it becomes the checks in the boxes. It gets through inspections and stuff like that. And, and, and I'm not blaming like the commanders or the, you know, whoever's they've got a limited amount of, yeah, they've got X amount of resources, but then there's X amount of things that are expected to be done to, get that inspection, move on to the next thing. And it usually just doesn't add up. There's never the resources to do what's expected to be done. And, and that's why I think that they just, they don't have the resources to effectively provide that financial education to people. And I get, and some people would say, and I agree to a point, well, it's not their job to do that. But at the same time, when you're taking people, I think there's a, at least a small obligation or responsibility to that when a lot of people are being taken from one area to an, a totally different economic area that they have kind of no idea, you know, how to transition that. They might be totally fine in one area, they get to this place and it's like, you know, San Diego for one, or like, hey, if your first duties in Hawaii or something like that, you're like, yeah. oh my God, like sticker shock. How do you deal with any of this? You take someone out of an yeah. element you're comfortable with and just drop them into like the- From Arkansas to Hawaii, it mm-hmm. would be like, that would explode my mind, especially yeah. now. Yeah, for sure. So I think that that's true. And, and, but I think that's when it does kind of, it, it comes back to people like yourself, myself, and there's tons of other people doing that, actually trying to make a difference, you know, whether it's yeah. the financial advice, the real estate advice, or just, you know, how to prepare yourself to educate transition out of the military. That, that's the other thing that I think you and I both see, especially as we network into realms with uh, trying to find the other people that are really trying to improve processes and things for the veteran space there's some amazing people doing some very, very cool stuff. So it is, you know, we mentioned a little bit how like, yeah, there's uh, not the best reputation in real estate, you know, and we get it because we feel the same way. Uh, It's just amazing to see there's some people that really do care and they're building businesses out of doing cool things to help other people. And uh, every time you meet one of those, it just really makes you, uh, I don't know, it makes you uh, just a little bit more confident that there's people trying to make changes in whatever little piece that they can, you know? Sounds like you're describing yourself to a TJ. (laughs) (laughs) Subtle (laughs) self-promotion. I I try to do what I can, but I I probably don't know enough to to make that much of an impact. But but if I can, uh, you know, everything, but I am happy to anything I learned from any of those people too, pass that on, you know, kind of like, like how we work together. Never once have we actually treated anything that we do as competitors, even though we're in the same city, same demographics we work with. Instead, we like pass the, you know, like pass the information freely. We will work Mm -hmm. with the same people together, you know, my team, your team or whatever. And not once is it like, and I'm not getting my fair share of that or my, not at all. You know, it's all building something better for everyone in it. Does it benefit us too? Absolutely. You know, like I'm not, it does benefit us, but it's a long game and that's how Mm -hmm. it benefits us. And if it benefits you know, all, all involved, then cool. It's not a competition. 
Absolutely. And you know what? It, we talk about this all the time and, you know, in our own circles here is it's just a theory of abundance, right? Like it's very easy for me to take a situation where I could say, get a listing from a client uh, and sell their house and make some money or give them the advice to rent it out and then personally be on the hook to actually put in more work to help them get their rental property up and running. Right. You can only feel good about doing that when you appreciate that more positivity that you pump into your network and your life and your day is going to naturally reward you in ways that you can't see yet. You have to believe that and you have to know that to be true. And the explosion that I've had in my business in the last couple of years from just blindly giving value to people and not asking them for anything back has proven that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Right, it's right. it's the notion that, and, and I've read so many great books on this, and, I, and I'll, I'll love to dig into even more of them because it's just so true. The more good that you put out, it just doubles and comes back to you in different places. So once you really get into that mindset that it's all about just contribution, if right. you can contribute to someone right now and and feel good about it right now, that's awesome. But then also knowing that, you know, in the the universal balance book, that that's an investment that's going to come back and pay dividends. It's even better. You know, you sleep even better at night knowing that not only are you helping people right now, but it's also setting you up for a fantastic future. You know, and so when, when you and I connected first, Jay, it was like, this guy is a military guy just like me. And I like Thank you, Facebook. <laughs> right. We have a ton of friends in common. We know all the same people. I don't know how we didn't cross paths while we were in, but we had a lot of the same comments on people's posts and I share a lot of the same mindset and we're both very entrepreneurial guys anyway. So like when we first started talking and you wanted to know about the brokerages and stuff that I was looking into and we, we first sat down, it was all about, you know, just creating value and creating synergy giving freely and then seeing what could grow from it. I was like, dude, a hundred percent, I'm going to give this guy everything I know. Cause this is a person that's going to take all that and do something great with it better than what I can do just by holding on to it myself. And I think of it that way, when you can give people help, when you can give people information, insight, resources, and opportunities, that to me is what really unlocks that concept or that information. It really frees it to grow. You know, people who, and in this industry, Jay, you've seen this all over, people will get some type of opportunity or some tool or some insider information, and they want to cling tight to it and keep a tight lip. And they're like, and they walk around thinking, ooh, like I know this awesome secret and I can really exploit it, but I can't tell anybody about it. Mm -hmm. And instead of being the open, transparent, helpful person that they could be, now they're caging their conversations. They're, you know, keeping a tight lip on things. They're not... You know, they're looking over their shoulder and make sure nobody knows what secret, you know, recipe they're cooking in the market. And all they're really doing is cutting themselves off from the rest of the world. They're actually, you know, it's like a plant pulling a shade over itself from the sun, from the sunshine. And what's funny is as an entrepreneurial person, too, I think of gadgets and gizmos and ideas and stuff like that. And I think, oh, I've got a cool idea for this thing, you know, and uh, in these circles, you know, these inventor circles, um, you'll hear people be like, well, I want to tell you about my product, but I can't because it's top secret. And I'm like, okay, 
I guarantee you, if I Google that product, somebody else has already made it and it just isn't selling. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. yeah. And you take that and you're like, what, what would happen? What would be the worst thing that could happen if you just went out on a limb and tried to help somebody or share what you knew about this thing? Just put it into the open atmosphere. One, nobody cares. <laughs> Two, nobody's going to do anything with it because ideas are crap. Executions, everything, right? right? So you can go share all your top secret, everything. Your top secret Brussels sprout casserole recipe. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. You can't give that recipe to a thousand people and somebody actually make a casserole with it. That's the truth, right? So not only should we not be keeping things to ourselves, but we should be actively trying as hard as we can to share things with people to try to make better casserole recipes in the world. Let's make some Thanksgiving banquets a little bit better than they could be. Right. You know, and if you can translate that, you know, not just from a from a casserole dish, but into your business and helping especially other veterans do things. There's no downside. It's not taking anything away from you. Well, first, if you ever bring a Brussels sprout casserole, <laughs> first, I'm not letting you in the door. I appreciate the analogy, but the but the other one too, there is by sharing that stuff too. Even the crazy ideas that are just like the those uh, you know the things like man, it would be great if this could work. By putting those out and sharing the stuff, it it sometimes and it's happened to me, and I'm sure it's happened to you. Sometimes that one other crazy person goes, wait, I have the missing piece of that, but I didn't have this piece. And then all of a sudden it's doable, you know, and that yeah. has happened to me before. And, and this one, I won't say what it is because it's not my place, but a friend of mine who's actually been on the podcast before too, Andrew Thorpe, he, uh, was here yesterday and we were talking about a lot of things and a business idea he'd had like, Oh God, I don't know how he's had it forever, but really was pursuing for the last year and a half, like by pursuing just on the side, like, ah, oh, just putting it out there, trying to like chip away at it as he goes. Again, it's something that if somebody had all those pieces, could they take it and do it? Could, I'm sure. But instead of like <laughs> trying to, you know, like, oh no, this is a good idea that I think could be executed. I'm not going to do it. He just would tell, talk about it when it was like in, in a situation where like people are talking about those ideas. And then funny enough, like not too long ago, like as in, in the last month, he was somewhere and something came up and it, and it just kind of triggered something in common where he brought it up. And this person's like, Oh, wait, that, that, that missing piece. I know uh, someone, we, we work with this company here that does this part and it solved a whole piece of it that was his sticking point. And now it is basically about to be up and running, you know, and it was, it, and again, it's not going to be all his, but who cares, man, it's stuff much more fun to do with other people anyway. And it, and what's better to have like, 25, 50, 75% of something fun that does happen or a hundred percent of an idea that never goes, goes in. nowhere. hundred percent yeah. of nothing. This is nothing. But I, I wanted to point out one other thing too, that you said back during your analogy, talking about actually contributing value and having that contribution, you wrapped it around to that being an investment. And I think that's an important thing to really highlight because I agree when you're investing in other people and stuff or giving that contribution, it is an investment in the overall thing, just like it would be an investment in money. You know, like you're putting away little things in a 401k into real, you know, rental properties into whatever that is an investment. It grows, right? And yep. if you're contributing to someone, you are investing in them that grows and it does come back. So I just love that you compared that to an investment. I think that's a, an awesome analogy and I'm stealing that and I'm going to use that. <laughs> so 
But I want to be upfront. It's not stealing if I tell you I'm jacking that from you, right? <laughs> it's not stealing if you tell me. That's right. Exactly. Everybody knows you can't you can't steal when a person's watching you because then you know it's just it's implied consent if I let you walk away with it while I watch you do it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So we got we got witnesses now. So we're all, uh, oh, awesome, man. man. Well, dude, is there anything else you want to share before? I don't want to take your whole day, but if there's any things you want to share, I think we're going to have to do this again later too, because I know we've got a lot of cool things coming up together. Oh man. Uh, that, yeah. Going, going back to the collaboration piece, what I think yeah. is really great is Jay, what we were talking about today about our mm-hmm. businesses, when it comes to creating a real estate business, right? You, you kind of go through these phases in the very beginning, you're really starving for business. Like you're, you've got a lot of time and you'll take any deal you can get your hands on. You just don't know where to go find them. Yeah. Right. So you have a low amount of expertise and, uh, and information, but you've got all the time in the world to give people really good care. Right. And that is basically a buyer's agent. That's someone who's helping people buy their first home. A buyer doesn't pay a real estate commission. So they are totally open to take whoever's going to give them the attention and the care that they need, who's going to give them lots of empathy and and really work hard, put in the long hours to get them in a house. And that's fantastic. Then that same agent gets successful and they do lots of business. And then all the buyers that they put into homes eventually start selling their homes. Mm -hmm. And then they get really good at selling homes. And if you do a good job of staying in touch with your people, you, you know, you get to be that listing agent, which right. is great. And then you become a real expert in selling homes. And now you find that you can pretty much stay in this home selling world. You're now a person that someone will actually pay money based on your experience and expertise in the market to be a listing agent. And you like, you know, then the evolution of business, that's where you're ultimately going to stay. So what it does is it opens up that bottom rung again for new buyers agents that don't know anything about the market. And so what's tough is say Jay, that you're a a first time home buyer, Mm -hmm. right? And you don't know where to start. And the pros that are out there aren't looking for buyers. You know, they're out trying to get listings to sell homes. So you don't know what's going on. So what do you do? You maybe tell a buddy to tell a buddy that now I'm thinking about buying a house. And then they say, Hey, you got to talk to Patty, right? Who's Patty? Nobody knows. (laughs) (laughs) A friend that somebody talked to once upon a a long time ago, whatever. And so you go talk to that person and you're just like, okay, well I got Patty now and Patty's not charging me any money. So Patty's going to be my agent. Right. Patty doesn't know what Patty's doing (laughs) and you don't know what Patty's doing because you don't know how to judge that. And off you go into home buying land. And that is kind of a a, a basic tough part, you know, for the first time home buyers. And I I know that radiates into the military world as well, because not only do we not really teach people as a military group all that much about VA loans, Mm -hmm. because it's not mission critical, right? right? Like, you know, and there's so much sapper training, niper training, SACO training, you know, uh, yearly whatever GMT and then unit training. And Every tech. other acronym. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like there's so much training. It's coming out of our ears. No one's squeezing in. Hey, here's how to buy a home. Right. Because that's personal stuff. They're like, well, figure that out when you're a veteran. You yeah. know, it's a VA loan, right? Like you can only use that when you're out of the military and then you're thinking about settling down. Right. That's just kind of the, that's just the way it works. Right. So like, not only do you have that on one end, but on the other end, you've got 
the patties out there who are, you know, they're doing their best. They're just, they don't know a whole lot. Right. They're available. Right. So what's tricky is like, say the business that you and I have, Jay, where we're really hyper-focused on bringing that military first time home buyer into the market in the first place, teaching them about investments and sharing with them the magic that we're enjoying from that, that first rent check, like, Oh, I can make money off of this. Right. Mm -hmm. We're sharing that magic, but also kind of resisting the tide of being pulled into just being a listing agent. And it's tough because now you have to be an expert and you have to be in a million different places at once. You got to represent all these different buyers and you got to make it to all these showing appointments and stuff like that. And it's very difficult. So I like what you and I are putting together where we have a team of junior agents that help us open up those doors and be in more places at once. So not only are we giving our clients the care and you know attention that they need to walk them through the process, but then they also get our expertise, where to buy, where to buy right, like you mentioned with Mission Valley. And that takes me to my next point, and I'll end my, <laughs> I'll end my speech on this, is what becomes difficult is even then, we will get five, 10 clients that just kind of jump on the bus all at once. Like some news broadcast hits and then suddenly everybody wants to buy a house and they come running and we're like, Oh my God. And you don't want to say no because you don't want them to go deal with the patties of the world. Right. Right. And you're like, I got to find a way to help these guys out. But I only have say three or four showing junior agents Mm -hmm. to help me out with this process. So the idea that in that situation that you can tap into my small team, Jay, or that I can tap into yours and knowing that we're there in our strategic partnership to be able to help each other expand and contract where necessary to absorb all that inbound business, right. I think is magical. And no one else is doing that. And, 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 failure. and keeping that same same concept of care and same quality of care because well partly because everything we're doing we are bouncing them off each other and always fine-tuning our processes together using 100%. both our experience together plus our you know because we both have some experienced people too that work with us as well and so having you know, four or five of these people that with the experience and the knowledge putting these things together and continually refining them it does it just like helps uh, cement that process of making sure everyone gets the same value, you know, and, uh, I agree with you, man. That's, and it's great. Cause it is not a scarcity mindset of like, Oh man, like a, a competitive mindset at all. It's like, Hey, I know that if anything, anything for anybody from your team is working with anything or, or vice versa, like we just know what they're going to be experiencing because we're putting it all together together. Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're, we're assembling this together. So it's, it's to me, I mean, I'm super appreciative of it. I, I love, I love that collaboration, man. It, it, it really helps a lot in my opinion. Yeah. And, and hopefully the consumers can see it because what, what, well, what I think sometimes on the buyer side too, people don't realize like you don't get paid if they don't get the place. So all that work, <laughs> and if we have a bad experience or if we're not good at our job or we can't negotiate to get a, an offer, except whatever the case is, all that time is for free. And on the other side, so, so there is like, you know, there on our side to keep a business going, we have to be able to provide that service, do a good job. Mm -hmm. Now on the give side, what some people don't realize is, well, the commission doesn't go up with adding other people to it. What we've seen and what we've talked about so many times is the long game of that is 
cool, we, we have an escrow expert. We have people to show or, and those people aren't like unexperienced. They're just not at, uh, you know, doing, you haven't been doing as long as us or as much as us, but we have those people in different places. So all those people are getting paid from that same commission. But because without that scarcity mindset of that, we're like, okay, that's cool. We can split this up a bunch of ways and make sure that each person can always get the same level of care. Yeah. You know? And what's so important about that too, is that not to toot my own horn here, but I know that, and I would, I would never do that. (laughs) It's so easy to just take the easy way out and just flip it to being a listing agent and just go get listings and never worry about anything. Yeah. Right. But the idea that we are turning into the difficult part of the job Mm -hmm. and embracing a much more complicated process to give buyers an experience. And especially in this market, Jay, where I, I listed a house and we had 50 offers. Yeah. Five zero. It was open for two days. Yep. Showings for two days. We are turning into that and bringing buyers through that storm and not just one, but because of these low interest rates, we've got more buyers in the market than the market can handle and that have ever really relative, especially relative to what's available, more buyers than we've ever had. And I think in just in the raw number of buyers, I think we were probably rivaling the highest number of buyers in the market that we've ever had. I agree. We are actually going into the fire in a lot of ways to be at that level, to help bring these buyers through those tough times. And we're taking a smaller check, a much smaller check to do it. And we're adding on top of that a high administrative burden and personnel management burden. Instead of just being one person that just goes and lists a house and then you just make that check and life is good, we are going in and managing our operations team, our many different showing agents and you know, our field of door openers and marketers and stuff like that. We have to juggle this small business just to get those people in the door. And you got to look at that and say, what kind of crazy person would do that? Nobody, (laughs) except that we know that we're doing it for a much bigger reason. It's because there's, we have a North star and the North star is to put those military first time home buyers into the market in the best way possible, come hell or high water. And as long as we do that, it's, I know it's not easy. It, it sure as hell ain't easy. I'm working right now. I'm working from eight till around 9 PM every day. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm closing the computer at nine o'clock and thinking, okay, what's still open that I can go get some takeout from. And that's seven days a week. But when you get those and I get these text messages, I'm getting these messages saying, you know, I'm really happy. I bought my house a year ago instead of right now. It's crazy out there. Thanks for, you know, getting me in a good place. Boom. That's why I'm doing it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, somebody that's like, oh, no one calls you after you sold their house and they moved to Texas. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, in our business too, Jay, when we give people this knowledge about it's not just buying a home, but, you know, it's really investing and thinking of a bigger picture, a financial and a home picture. They're going back and forth to Virginia, to Florida, to Washington, to Japan and all these places, and they're bouncing all over and having what we're doing here touched on in all these other places and knowing that the help that we give those people Mm -hmm. is putting them in a really great position when they get to that next spot. 
and that there are other people that we're collaborating with right now, people we're collaborating with who are doing the same thing, are going to send those people right back to us with that same security and sense of accomplishment. Like, hey, they came here, we took great care of them. They're they're tapping out and doing really great, and they're going to come here on the right foot. That's why competition is garbage and collaboration is everything. It is, and and to that same point of. The, you know, we talked about the renters needing, you know, needing some help just getting into that. It's not our main, you know, that's what's not our bread and butter. It's not what we're taking money. I don't charge anything for that. We just do what we can. Yeah. But to your point of people moving to the other places, it's the same thing. We want them to get it, get good service there, even if it's, you know, we're either already collaborating with someone there or we'll use that to build relationships by interviewing people. So if you are going somewhere out, wherever it is, reach out to me or reach out to Matt we will go and interview people. If we don't already have people we trust there, we will interview people to find, you know, get a couple of the top options for you to choose from. And we don't charge for that either. That's yep. just because we want people to be treated the way they should and be educated the way they should. You know, even if it means we have to mm-hmm. educate you and then find the person for you, that's not a charge. That's just like you said, that investment. You know, even people we don't like, even people we don't like, there's been a few, like we always have a few of those, right? Dude, I don't like every client I've got. Mm-hmm. I, I, God's honest. I do not like every client I've got, but I will still do the same thing because it's just like, this is what we do. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there's some days I don't want to. I'm like, you know what? You definitely do. Like, you're a service member, but you definitely do not deserve all this. <laughs> right. 100%. But I figure, like, probably there was points in my uh, Navy career, too, especially like very early on, where there's where I probably had chiefs and like, you know, division officers are like, you do not deserve the time I've given you. I'm sure I was on that side professionally. Uh, the 80 20, before. right? The, the 20% of people yeah. that take 80% of your time. Yeah. I'm sure I've been on both sides of that before. So, so yeah, it's good, just paying it back. Yeah, for oh, sure. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade what we do for anything like that, that bottom line impact with our people and, mm-hmm. and doing, doing a service that other people won't do because the system's just not designed that way. Right. It right. kind of makes me feel good because I like to position my business in a way that gives people outsized benefit where, mm-hmm. where it falls short. And that's just, I hate to, I don't even hate to say it. I'm actually proud to say that that is something that was definitely uh, bolstered and watered a lot during the military, like airspeed training and like all the programs and stuff as laborious and irritating as they were in the military. Like they really were in practice effective. They kept everything moving. They kept everything on a level of set expectations and set results. And you could see like everything essentially had a process and so when you look at like, you know, the, the pathway from like a, you know, military person to being a home owner, you know, with one or multiple properties, you can see the pathway from them and where there's a huge break right there at the beginning. Right. And like, I get a real sense of joy from, like, especially when we talk about how to fix that, yeah. I feel awesome because it's almost like being like a homeowner system repair person. Let's fix this part of the process to make it work. And then let's go spread that around. That feels awesome to be able to say that. But you, you can't do that though, unless you have a collaborative mindset. Right. Yeah. And you sure surely can't do it as quickly. No, absolutely yeah. not. Like Jay, I, all right, I'm going to give you a compliment. <laughs> Close your ears. Can I, can I, I'm going to record this and, you know, tell it back to the team. Edit this out, guys. <laughs> I've rarely met anybody who can take idea into action with such 
with such steadfastness and expediency, if that's even a word. Like Jay gets an idea Tuesday at 10 a.m. At 11 o'clock, he's Googling it. At 12 o'clock, he's calling people. And at one o'clock, he's meeting somebody to talk about it. And he makes it happen. And I'm telling them, I'm not telling you, Jay, I'm telling them. (laughs) That's how Jay operates. And so do I think that what we're doing to like, like I just described, fix that broken pathway between our active duty veterans and home ownership? Not only do I think that we're going to solve that really well here, but Jay's ability to take that and scale it very fast is just totally impressive. And I know that this is going to continue to be, you know, a regional and nationwide effort, which is something that really gets me excited because these people, Jay, going back to this, you know, kind of conservative self-interested mindset that exists in the world. Like I'm not mad at people because they care about protecting their bank accounts and stuff. It's hard to take a leap of faith and say, all right, I'm just going to expose myself and share my best practices with the world and, you know, hope that I don't get pummeled. Like I, I appreciate that, but I can't do what you do with putting those things into action so fast and just charging it through the gates. I'm a lot slower with it. And I think I have a different process that doesn't allow me to really unleash and go confidently and, you know, at those high levels like you can. It's wildly impressive. But if we didn't have these conversations about these types of things, I wouldn't even know that that was possible. Right. And that someone could really just unleash and go get that. And that's the type of thing that if we really want to fix this system, that's what we have to have. We have to have people like you, Jay, that can take this which is a, it's not, it's not a San Diego issue. It's not like, oh, just the people on 32nd Street are having this problem. Mm-hmm. No, it's Navy-wide thing. It's a Navy-wide breakdown that needs to be shored up. And somebody like you is, you're the perfect person to spearhead that on a big level. And I'm super happy that we got to be connected so that I could take some of the crazy ideas that I had in the back of my head. Not that I was trying not to share them with people, I just didn't have anybody that was necessarily open to it or was a good candidate to share it with. We have our small network of people that are like-minded, but you were like the guy that I was like, oh, boom, this is the perfect fit for that puzzle piece. He's going, this is a person that can appreciate what I'm about to say and can take action with it. So I'm super grateful that we got connected uh, and started this crazy little journey together. Yeah, me too, dude. I appreciate all that. I appreciate you saying all that, but it's, you know, I think I'm just the one dumb enough to go try to do it. <laughs> but, I'm um, not great. I'm retarded. <laughs> still, still the, uh, you know, the only reason I can do it and the only reason you can start, you know, you're doing the growth you are and putting so much into the education piece really is the only reason I can sit here and we've been talking like for well, an hour and a half now. And then we collaborated before we had a Zoom call before to work on some of the systems of our businesses. And that's because also there's some pretty badass people uh, supporting us and our teams that allow us to go do this stuff because, you know, like I have Maya uh, running operations this side, you've got Teresa out, right? Like our business right now isn't not going while we're talking. You know what I mean? Our business, there's people being taken care of very, very well. By you can hear my phone buzzing over here too. I know, like like mine's (laughs) going to move it over to the carpet so it doesn't... (laughs) I did the same thing. Because of having amazing people around us too that allows us to kind of do this stuff. So I'm I'm appreciative all the way around, man. This has just been a really fun journey so far and we're just starting. 
Let me throw one more cool thing mm-hmm. out there. Sure. The more the more you share openly about you know whatever positive ideas and things that you have, you really do attract some great people. Point in case, my chief adulting officer Teresa was a past client of mine. Like mm-hmm. I went out, like she and I connected. We were going through the home ownership, home buyer one hundred and one process, and all that stuff. And for a couple of different reasons, it didn't initially work out, but I gave her 100% of my efforts. And then, you know, a few years later, things changed. And she's like, hey, turns out I'm going to be separating from the military. Do you know anybody that needs an assistant? And I was like, oh, strangely enough. And here we are. She's like, she's been the biggest asset that I've had in my business to help me keep things. I mean, she does so much. It's, it's, it's unreal. And I know, I know her well enough mm-hmm. that if it was just about money and if it wasn't about, you know, trying to create a great sense of culture in what we do yeah. and doing the best I can to, you know, show her how much I appreciate what she does, she wouldn't be here because she's got skills. She's got mad skills. She could go anywhere. Right. But I know that just by giving her the best that I could, that's why she's back with me now. And then I've got basically three showing agents right now, two of them. One's an active duty Marine, past client of mine, getting his license and is coming on board. Same thing. And then another guy, uh, prior Navy, getting his license coming on board. Same thing. He came to me one day and, you know, we ended up just talking about investments and being in real estate sales and how that system worked. And he was super open to me sharing with him, like, how the beginnings of the real estate you know, trade works, like when you're a junior agent and things like that. And he was super receptive to it. And the next thing you know, the same as the same as what I got from Dennis when we first met. Right. I ended up having the same conversation on the other end of the table with him. So now he's coming on board. There's just there's just no downside to being like openly collaborative and sharing everything you got. You can't share enough. That's that's the bottom line. Hundred percent. And at the same lines, we I mean, shoot, we're 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 telling some of our stuff that we were talking about earlier, which is good because I was like kind of afraid when we were doing our collaboration call, we would use up all our conversation. <laughs> but, oh yeah, I think we got plenty. Yeah, we, we could do another <laughs> show. We'll have, to, we'll have to schedule another one too. <laughs> like when we were talking about that expansion. Yeah. The people that are getting ready to do that right now, three of them are past clients, all veterans and two still in right now they're about to retire and that's three different states of expansion of what we're talking about that's uh, Um, just happening with people who are skilled skilled in leadership skilled management that will and that are also the same type of people we're talking about they have a lot of knowledge they they will share it freely and i'm just excited because that's just going to help us expand what we're doing and it's just it's cool stuff yeah, if you think about it too, right? Like that's that's three states, which is cool. But look at look at Southern California, San Diego. We got like three point three million people in San Diego, yep. and there are about twenty eight thousand agents on average. If you do the math, that's like just a little over like what a hundred people. That if every agent in San Diego just knew a hundred people, you would cover all of San Diego County. So every agent would know a hundred people, like. That to me means that we have so much more space out there for other people to do what we're doing, even where we are, that you can't exhaust. You can't. You can't. There's, there's, there's too many people that need to be helped. And like, we're not talking loud enough about it, in my opinion. 
And I'm really excited at the idea of continuing to build this and sharing it with other people and getting them to essentially do it the way that we're talking about doing it in a very like open source way, because we can unlock so much more than what we're than what we're at right now. Not just like, oh, a few here and there, but like creating a really massive network. Yeah. The rising tide, it, it raises all ships, right? You know, so we can just do so much more for the community when we get everyone on board with it. I'm excited about it. I mean, might as well. Like, I mean, we were just starting the process, but also people that are interested in learning about the, you know, real estate as a business, like reach out to us as well. You know, as we're, even if you're still active duty, we're in the process now of getting this skill bridge set up for, with yes. us. So, um, again, man, it, it only helps everyone if we can give people the right information that helps them transition into wherever they're going into a real estate career. It doesn't have to be here. It doesn't have to be with us or for uh-huh. us. You know, it's something that the skills are anywhere. And if we can help that and exactly. make sure they're off to the right foot to educate people and kind of just, you know, same sense of things. Like it's, we can help spread that word through that way as well and help people make a smoother transition to a, you know, a, a really cool career if you make it that way. Exactly. You know, what's, uh, what's so interesting about the real estate world is that there's, there's really two ways that you can enter real estate. One is like as a young person knowing that you want to be in sales and you have sales DNA and you know, you're really willing to grind and hustle and take it on the, the chin to build that book of business. And it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It's cold and it's, it's uphill. But once you do like the upside's great or the other the other way that a lot of people enter this industry is a second career. People right, that have right. already created a great reputation and I have a big network. And then they just basically parlay that into real estate. Say, Hey, you guys knew me in this past life and you trusted me and you liked me and you, you know, you know, my wife and kids and it's all great. Well, now I do this. So if you need help in this arena, I'm definitely your guy or gal. Right. And so what's so interesting to me is that there is, a massive amount of white space in the military person stepping Mm -hmm. out of the military and getting into a real estate career. And just like me, people that you could ask anybody be like, Matt is a salesperson. No, never in a million years, but here we are. And I don't think of myself as just like you, Jay, I don't think of myself as a salesperson at all. I'm an educator and I'm a tour guide. I'm a coach. In a lot of cases, I'm kind of a, you know, a financial planner and a, a marital, you know, therapist in a lot of ways, right? Like any of those million hats that we wear, anything selling, don't sell, mm-hmm. but just trying to shed a light and connect dots. Dude, that's what the military does best, connect dots. Right. They do. They do. And so, I mean, just taking what, taking what we do and what we've learned and then connecting those people, you know, and, and making that process very clear and and shedding some light on it for just getting into the real estate world as an agent i'm i'm as excited about that as i am about getting people connected with homes it's just more dot connecting yeah it is it is and and also some people might find out that it's not for them and i would rather them find out before they've just jumped all in because there's some cost to it you know there's cost there's time there's whatever and if it's not for you it's better to find out before 
laying out a bunch of money and time to get into it and then have to start over. Had I believed it'd be two years before I got a check, I might have rethought things. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm glad I didn't because that was a world-class education. Yeah, dedication paid off on that for sure. 100%. You know, so when people are like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about doing this or that. I'm like, that won't work. You got to get this, got to get that, got to get this. It's going to take this much time. They're like, oh, there's no downside to more information and more knowledge. Not at all. Not at all. Well, dude, thank you so much, man. I definitely appreciate your time, man. And I appreciate Maya and Teresa keeping things going while we're spending this time. So (laughs) thanks, guys. But if anybody wants to get in touch with Matt, like Matt, you want to give us a little Mm -hmm. contact info, buddy? Yeah. So really easy to get a hold of me. I'm on Facebook. If you just look for Navy Realtor, just one word or Instagram, same thing. And I can share my email address is Matt at whistlerealty.com. And that's spelled W-H-I-S-S-E-L. And uh, no offense, Jay, but <clears throat> Whistle Realty were the number one real estate team in San Diego, seven years in a row. So, they really stepped it up once you got there. You know, I'm yeah, not taking clearly. credit for that, but, uh, you know, if you want to perceive it that way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did want to say, if anybody's interested as well, I have some educational materials that you can find. If you go to matt.whistlerealty.com, you can see a lot of my videos on there. We got some buyer and seller educational content that's, you know, you don't have to call me directly. You can just go check out those videos and get your education on. And if you email me, I can also send you a home buyer 101 and 102 tutorial. If you're the introverted type that just wants the information without having to like raise your hand and get solicited and stuff like that, trust me to my core, I feel that. So I created this nice little slide deck for you. You can just email me. I'll send it over to you and you can review that and kind of get smart on the buying process. And if you like what you see and you have questions, I'm here for you. And just so you guys know, I'm not going to be out there hounding people down aggressively, you know, like trying to twist your arm into business. It's not how I operate. I'm just here to help. Perfect. If you're driving, you forget all that, just send you his contact. We'll put it on the web page. We'll have contact info for him. I always listen to something, then I hear the contact info, and then I get home I'm like, oh, crap, because I'm usually listening to my car. I'm like, oh, how do I do that again? Hey, man, but thank you again. I really do appreciate your time, and I'm looking forward to keeping this thing going. Yes, sir. Been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on, Jay. I will catch you on the next one, buddy. All right, man. Thanks, Matt.